Welshy! Welshy? We did some musical reunion specials in the 2200s, but the guy who played Scotty had trouble yodeling. Ever since then, Welshy has been a welcome participant in our escapades. Aye, do we want a mad one whirl? Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And today we're talking about season four, episode 11, where no fan has gone before. Uh, I just want to go ahead and start this episode, and I don't know if you feel the same way about this, Ben, but I feel personally attacked by this episode of Futurama. How so? It it it's satirizes uh, big fans of sci-fi television shows and how ridiculous they can be. And as a podcast host of a sci-fi television show fan cast, watch cast, I feel personally attacked. Yeah, but also we know nothing about Star Trek. So at the same time, uh, you could make the argument that this is a very specific attack on Star Trek fans and not us. I'm choosing to see it as a wider attack on pretty much, you know, obsessive fandoms in general. But you are correct. There is very specific Star Trek um, uh, awareness <laughs> that's going on here. Also, I want to point out early in the show that neither of us have watched a whole lot of Star Trek. So this is going to be I mean, it's come interesting. up before on the podcast. Also, I happen to be talking to a friend of the podcast, Tema, just last night about when we get to this episode the number of things we are going to screw up on account of not having seen star trek it's going to be enormous how much we mess up so for for the don't at us (laughs) don't at us uh for the record the the number of star treks i have tracked okay (laughs) such good wording i have seen about 15 minutes of an episode in which some ancient Roman sort of psychic people okay. make a, a little person ride William Shatner around like a pony. Huh? While Spock does sort of a, a, an Irish step dancing. Uh huh. No, I'm, uh, you're looking at me like I'm making this up. It is real. Look it up, my dude. <laughs> I will. I, I I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, so that's that's the amount of trek that you've tracked. No, no, no. Okay. I did, you, I just there's more. There's more. Is that the it's most absurd you, thing? It's you've just seen? you looked at me like I was making things up. And I want to be very clear and on the record. This is a very real Star Trek thing that exists from the original series. I, not not to take down Star Trek fans, although this episode does do that as well. Um, it seems like the overarching themes of Star Trek are what's most most often like bandied about as the reason that it's awesome. And then you describe things like that, what you just described, which is very madcap, absurdist, humor-ish. And it doesn't seem to match the uh, ideals of what I understand Star Trek to be. I have, a, I have a very strong feeling the reason I've never really gotten into Star Trek is that this was literally the first first bit of any Star Trek I had ever seen ever. Yeah, that sounds like a bad choice to start on. Um, I have also seen the following movies. The Wrath of Khan, where he famously shouts... Khan! I have seen The Voyage Home, which is the one where they literally have to go back in time to 1980s San Francisco to rescue a whale because there is some sort of something heading toward Earth and it's a whale song that is what saves everybody. Yeah, uh, clearly. <laughs> Although I will I will tell you this much. Okay. So so the Voyage Home was released during that that like late 80s early 90s wave of like environmentalism. Okay. I have a friend who got into environmental engineering specific and and she specifically cites Star Trek The Voyage Home as one of her big influences to become an environmentalist. 
one can make the right choice with weird uh inspiration i'll say that and then the other ones that i've seen are the uh, first contact and then the 2009 reboot and then uh the one that into darkness star, yes. star trek into darkness yes most of my star trek knowledge is the two new abrams movies which are apparently not great um they seem fine 2000 the 2009 reboot i thought was really great and then into darkness was uh... i mean yeah i mean like i thought they were enjoyable um they apparently do not fit the themes of star trek but other than that i have seen the clip of william shatner fighting with the the uh, triples triples the little triples the Mm -hmm. tiny little hairy things and then also the uh the fight with the there was a like a lizard man that was really poorly blocked out and it's hilarious to watch okay. instead of like an action. Well, before day's end, uh, I will show you a clip of a little person riding William Shatner around like a pony. I don't think I've ever asked for anything more. <laughs> um, but yes, to go go back to the beginning of this, we don't know anything about Star Trek, and also we feel personally, att- I feel personally attacked by this episode of Futurama that we of the podcast that we talk about. So those are all the disclaimers about. The, all the Star Trek we're about to talk about in this episode of Futurama. <laughs> we are the experts of this episode of this television show. Experts is a bit of a far cry. Like I don't see, I don't see a certificate on my wall that says Futurama expert. I can print one out for you later. It's I, fine. I want one. Um, <laughs> it would give it would give me some gravitas <laughs> when we talk about this podcast. Dr. Mike, the Futurama doctor. In order to get that Futurama professional certificate, you're going to need to be the winner of this March Ocean Madness bracket. So good, <laughs> good luck. So wait, are we? is that the prize for March Ocean Madness now? Um, You get a certificate about the Futurama expertise? Sure, um, but I'm not mailing it to anybody, so I'll put together the the visual file. You have to print it yourself. <laughs> You're going to get the email. Print at home degree in Futurama. I can't think of a better prize for March Ocean Madness than a fake degree, <laughs> a fake certificate. So the thing that the the thing that I like about this episode, well, yeah. one of the things I like about this episode is that you've always got that little... Uh, blurb underneath the Futurama logo. Yeah. And this is the first time the episode title was also the blurb because it says where no fan has gone before. I've noticed that. Which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, but then after the credits, uh, the opening credits sequence, mm-hmm. uh, there is the, the Planet Express ship is flying through space, but it's got big, like almost like the Enterprise yeah. sort of engines. Like those shoulder, back. like almost on the shoulders of the ship, just kind of and, welded on. Uh, uh, you get a voiceover by none other than the man himself, William Shatner. So yeah, he uh, a, a lot of the the uh, he's about to give a recap of what happened until Zap uh, tells Shatner to stop talking as he s- starts a court martial, where the Star Trek cr- cast are all heads in a jar with the Planet Express crew. Um, and the accused Fry is brought in 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 an encasement that definitely seems lifted directly from Star Trek, but I do not know how. It, it is very much a Star Trek reference. I've seen it used on multiple other things. It is sort of a well, they've used it on Futurama before. I literally looked it, was, it up. I could not find. It. I I did bad Google foo, but like I could not find it. But they've used it on Futurama before because it's uh, in the professor's birthday party. His oldest living friend oh, is in it, yes. and he beeps. And then Zoidberg's like, "I'd hate to follow that guy." Yes, that is exactly the case. Oh, but it's it's but very much it? it's very much from an episode of Star Trek. Um, Again, don't add us. Well, maybe I do. Kind of want to know this one particularly because I um, did look at I I spent like twenty minutes looking it up trying to find it. That no wonder you were so late to this recording. Well, I um, mean. I'm trying to go- do good content for the podcast. Uh, it should also be noted that they're the heads of six of the... Uh, it, it was the... The original series. Yes. It was the the six uh, or five of the at then uh, still living 
cast members of mm-hmm. the original series. Uh, plus, um, I've wrote his name down and don't Will remember she? it. No, no, no. Because um, Will, Will she's not no, in No, Will she super dies. Um, Spoiler alert. Uh, so, so, yes, they couldn't get... I mean, I'm skipping ahead here, but they couldn't. Sure they couldn't get the guy who played Scotty, um, whose again name I wrote down here. See, we did research for this one um, <laughs> because otherwise we would not know what to talk about with all the Star Trek references. James Doohan, I think is how you say his name. He played Scotty, and uh, ap- apparently, when they called him up to do this episode, his agent reportedly said, "No way." Okay. And that that was that. And then uh DeForest Kelly is portrayed but he he has no speaking lines because he died in 1999. Um so it's those six heads. It's it's uh Nichelle Nichols, Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, George Takei. Mm-hmm. Um and then um DeForest DeForest Kelly's that. head and the guy who played Chekhov whose name I'm gonna forget. Forever. Oh man, he they kept wanting him to say Wessels. Uh so yeah, the, it's the cast of the original series. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're all being court martialed for a currently unknown reason. Mm-hmm. Um Fry uh is charged with traveling to the forbidden planet Omega 3. Uh this charge is punishable by twelve concurrent death sentences. I don't know how they are concurrent, but it sounds terrifying. Uh, Fry, after pleading not guilty, as opposed to double guilty. Uh Uh-huh. So, Kiff says one beep for yes and two for no. And he, when he says, are you guilty? He says, beep, beep. And Zap assumes that's double yes. So, he's going to kill him. Leela then corrects him. And Fry recounts the events prior to the course marshal in Mars code. Morse code. Mars code. Mars code. Mars code. Um, if so that, if it, that's a code, I want to learn it. It goes back to a few days earlier. Uh, the crew is at a movie rental store, swinging a miss Futurama, uh-huh. rent a rec video where they are li- like, if you, if you look at the details, they are literally renting VHS tapes. They didn't do a great job on this one. Did not call that one. Um, and so they say that the professor is taking a nap. So they've only got time to watch six movies. And Fry says, you know what? Uh, six movies average out to be pretty good. The first six Star Trek movies. Immediately, everyone panics and people are like getting down on the ground and alarms are blaring. Le- I think it's Leela says, yeah. uh, those words are forbidden. Um, He's like, which words? Star Trek? And, and then the alarms like increase in importance. So it's a thing we've mentioned many times before. Star Trek is mentioned... Several times, especially mm-hmm. in the first season. It's mentioned in the first episode. Yes. He looks at, at the sliding door and he's like, hey, just like Star Trek. Like, he is out of that tube for 20 minutes yeah. before he's talking about Star Trek. Hermes mentions it um, when he's talking about dupe uh, because he's like, it's just like the Federation in your Star Trek program. Mm-hmm. Like, it's brought up a lot. So... Futurama is really, really good at maintaining sort of a continuity. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the that big one that I mean we've been talking about it for as long as we've been doing this podcast. Yeah, it's that big one where they're just like and just pretend Star Trek was never mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, before. it's it's kind of a continuity hole for an admittedly fun romp in this adventure. It's true. This brings the police to the store. And Leela and Zoidberg stuff Fry into Bender's compartment at, and walk out the door as Earl and Schmitty walk in. Back on the ship where everyone's being court-martialed. Zap uh, seems intrigued by those words. He wants somebody with a seductive voice to tell him more. George Takei jumps in. Of course. Why wouldn't he? Um, so he starts talking about how the show was banned after the Star Trek Wars. Oh, the vast migration of Star Wars fans? <laughs> no, you're thinking of the Star Wars Trek, <laughs> which is, I think, probably my favorite joke. There's it's a lot of good jokes in this episode. I think this is probably my favorite joke. It is It is so very good. Like, I, I, I love whoever came up with this joke, because I imagine... <laughs> That the person that came up with this joke in the writer's room, everybody looked at him and was like, him or her, of course, looked at them and said, you deserve a raise and a promotion. 
because they do. Uh-huh. No, it's 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 so good, especially because nobody nobody really seems to pay it even any mind. They're just like, "No, you're thinking of the Star Wars Trek." And then they just immediately move on. Move on. Um <laughs> it's so good though. It's it's very good. Um so Nichelle Nichols puts in a a tape into this TV screen mm-hmm. that shows sort of this I don't know why she has this so readily available, but she does. Uh, it shows sort of this history of basically everybody becoming so obsessed with Star Trek that it becomes this major religion. Yeah. There's like a church where they are are talking about Scotty beaming up people and there would be no Tribble anymore. Um, <laughs> all power to the engines. And uh, that worked too well. That worked too well. Um, yeah, and so the basically the whole world is just falling to yeah. this new Star Trek religion. Uh, the world leaders were so worried about it that they, they executed Trekkies by throwing them into a volcano and uh, banned the sacred texts, a.k.a. the videotapes. And uh, the last copies of, of the 79 episodes and six movies were dumped on the Forbidden World Omega-3. I do like how, as they're tossing them in the volcano... One of the guys just keeps going, he's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. Like, with zero inflection, he's just like, he's dead, Jim. Like, it's a soulless, joyless thing, throwing these nerds into the volcano. You have to reclaim it a little bit. But he, for, he just, I don't know if it was part of the policy to, like, Mm -hmm. say that, or if he's just having a laugh. I hope he's having a laugh. Because otherwise, you're doing a whole lot of murder. I mean, he's still doing a whole lot of murder. <laughs> but at least he's getting some enjoyment out of it. <laughs> saying saying he's dead, Jim, when you literally kill somebody, doesn't suddenly absolve you from any sort of consequences. You didn't not commit murder because you said he's dead, Jim. I mean, yes, but at least you're having a little bit of a laugh and you're getting some levity out of the situation. This is going down a road. It I sure don't, is. Yeah, I let's... don't want to... Uh, Back Sh- to the Futurama does not condone murder. Shall we jetpack out of this one? Uh, we should have jetpacked out of this one five minutes ago, but continue. Fair enough. So we go back to the court-martial, and Bender is called to the stand. Fry gets out of the encasement, or the... He just he just hops out yeah. of it. Because like, the, the implication is, and I, I believe the original joke in Star Trek, is that the person who was in it was just like their body was just destroyed to mm-hmm. an, such an extreme degree that they can't walk or talk or move or anything. I imagine again, don't add us. And so the joke is that Fry just hops out. And he's like, here you go. And then Bender sits down and starts talking. And then Zap's like, use the beeps. <laughs> I don't know why that's easier. Zap. Um, anyway, it's official dupe court-martial procedure i'm sure that's true based on the mm-hmm. yeah um uh fry imme- uh, we go back to the kind of lead up to the the situation uh fry is runs into the head museum and and runs up to leonard nimoy telling him he came as soon as he heard what happened centuries ago yep that's how i react every i feel like that's how thing it, things are when you spend as much time uh, on Twitter as I do, and then just, like, don't log in for a weekend, and then you're like, I came as soon as I heard what happened ages ago. <laughs> um, you know, 32 hours ago. W- whatever, it's yeah. fine. You're, you're responding to week-old tweets. That's just right. Ooh, if I'm responding to week-old tweets, uh, something's wrong, send help. Will do. <laughs> I, this podcast is also kind of a cry for help when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't even have a comeback. Because it's true. Um, so Nimoy is kind of acting coy and do- like he doesn't know what Fry's talking about. Coy. Nimoy. Is y- there something there? You're a poet. I didn't even know it. I was not even aware of the- that situation. This is nothing. Koi, Nimoy, eat some soy. Go talk to a boy. This poem brings me joy. Oh, hey, Roy. (laughs) 
poem over. So um, the symbolism in that poem is is wonderful. We 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 talk we. <laughs> Remember when I said that this podcast is a is a cry for help a few minutes ago? I do very much. <laughs> it it hasn't changed. In fact, it's gotten worse. Uh so yeah, um the, he <laughs> Leonard Nimoy is acting like he just has no idea mm-hmm. what uh what Fry's even talking about and eventually uh, he slips up by instead of saying his one man show about Vincent Van Gogh, he says Vincent Van Spock, and then all of a sudden that that facade drops, and he's he says literally, "Why did the world turn its back on our obvious greatness?" <laughs> That's often what I say. Nimoy uh, starts weeping, and it's because his fellow cast members left Earth three hundred years ago, and um, one af- after Nimoy recounts how they left. Fry grabs him and says he's going to go get those tapes back to show the world their greatness. And then Jonathan Frakes' head comes in and he's like, yes, front row. Good for him. Good for him. It's about it's about time the Frakes got some recognition. Absolutely. That's what I'm calling him now. The Frakes? The Frakes. Mm-hmm. I like it. No, actually, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what else are you going to call him? Jo- Jonathan, his actual name? Johnny Frakes. Oh, boy. Frakes my cakes. Uh, now who's the poet? Freaking Frakes. I got nothing. This is this go. This is going nowhere. <laughs> is that our official tagline at this point? This is Pretty going much. nowhere. Uh, back to the Futurama. This is going nowhere. I feel like we say this enough that uh, it just is going to end up becoming that. Uh, at Planet Express, uh, Leela is forbidding Fry for of going to the Forbidden Planet. Uh, Fry's argument is that the world needs Star Trek to give people hope for the future. But it's set 800 years in the past. I do love that so very much. Uh, but then Fry gives this whole speech about how, like, when he was younger and he didn't have friends, he would watch a lot of Star Trek and feel like maybe he kind of sort of had some friends. Leela's like, well, that, that was... Um, Touchingly pathetic. Uh-huh. And then Bender's like, I'd like to go along too. If it's okay with Leonard, of course. And he just nods. I love that Bender's like, I'm going to get Nimoy's uh, permission. It's true. I mean, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me that Bender gives such reverence to Leonard Nimoy when he is incessantly obsessive with the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. And just like try, he's all up in Ethan Bubblegum Tate's business. Yeah. Well, it, it later on it's it's revealed that Bender does not like Star Trek. Yeah, but I mean, I don't particularly care for Star Trek. Leonard Nimoy was a treasure. Sure. I, I'm not arguing that, but I, that would explain to me why Bender would would not be as uh, all up in in Nimoy's grill as he was with Tate. It's fair. Um, as an aside, have you ever read any of Leonard Nimoy's poetry or read, uh, looked at any of his photography? I imagine it's better than our poetry. He, he was a very talented individual and like in all seriousness, not, this is not even a bit like, uh, if you haven't, just look up some of his, his other work. He was a pretty, uh, uh, multi-talented Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did a lot of things and he was a, he was a treasure and gone, too soon. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to the butt jokes. Butts, butts, butts. They are going to the Omega system and immediately lose control of the ship. It crash lands and they kind of just walk out nonchalantly. In fact, Bender is, is starting a, a cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are walking on the surface of the planet and they find all these old sets from the Star Trek mm-hmm. episodes. There's Old West World. There's Roman world where uh, William Shatner may or may not have been ridden like a pony. There's um, just... And that's just what was televised. Right. Uh, There's, (laughs) you know, so there's all these, there's all these sets and um, uh, there's a sort of, I'm assuming it's a Star Trek thing. It looks sort of like a portal to me. Like it's just sort of like a wall 
with like a, this portal in it. Out of this portal steps the cast of the original Star Trek series, um, with the uh, again with the exception of the guy who played Scotty, mm-hmm. and instead it's Welshy. And they all have bodies. They all have bodies. Um, I also, as an aside, like how they just refer to Welshy as his character name. Like, <laughs> I assume Welshy's not his real name because it's an obvious play on Scotty. Sure. But they just call him Welshy. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if we've discussed why Welshy's there. Uh, he was a member of the musical reunion shows in the 2200s. But, uh, the, but the guy who played Scotty had trouble yodeling. And now he goes on their uh, adventures. We get sort of a backstory about how, just like the Planet Express ship, their ship was sort of pulled down onto the planet, and they've been here ever since. Uh, They have bodies now, and somebody or something has just been giving them everything they could ever want. Food and and bodies. Really, that's all I need in my life. Food 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 and body. The bin way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, everything is provided for them, and they never age, so they kind of love it there. It's they're uh, they're they're famous people, so they're used to it. And uh, the uh, the guy who plays uh, Chekhov, yes, uh, is like when we woke up, we had these bodies, and Fry's like, "Ooh, say it in Russian," and he's like, "Ven v woke up, we had these bodies." And Fry is like, ooh, now say nuclear vessels. Or nuclear vessels, excuse me. He is so hilariously fanboying in this episode. (laughs) It's it's very good. Um, uh, When everybody is kind of asked, who is doing this? A booming voice says, it is I. Uh, And an energy cloud shows up that Bender calls a cheap effect. And in response, the cloud just electrocutes Welshy as a show of his power. And Fry, <laughs> who, who didn't know who this guy was like 20 I've... seconds ago, is just like, he runs over and clutches him and he's like, Welshy! <laughs> it's so silly. It's so good. Um, So we're, we're back uh, for a brief moment, we go back to the court martial on the Planet Express ship, where Zap asks for s- sensual testimony from his former lover, Tarangalila. She replies, "Go beep yourself." Uh, so yeah, in Leela's testimony, um, the this glowing green cloud just magically gives Leonard Nimoy his body, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the cloud explains that centuries ago, the videotaped adventures of the Enterprise crew rained down upon my planet. Over and over I watched them, especially the five with the energy beings. I am Melvar, seer of the tapes, knower of the episodes. And he also calls himself an encyclopedia of Star Trek knowledges, uh, knowledge. Fry challenges him as no one knows more than Fry. This causes Melvar to shock Welshie again. I love the Bry Melvar Star Trek knowledge pissing contest. The nerd rivalry. Because, A, it's very true. Uh Uh-huh. As someone who is a nerd and knows a lot of nerds, we like knowing things. And we like knowing, we like you knowing that we know things. (laughs) And we like knowing more things than you. And I'm not saying it's the right attitude to have, but it's the attitude that a lot of us have. Mm-hmm. And so th- there, that's true. But also just like Fry literally watched this cloud electrocute Welshie 30 seconds ago and then again 12 seconds ago. Exactly. Like, and he's just like, I'm, I'm going gonna- to I'm going to challenge this cloud to a Star Trek knowledge competition like it's pretty good. It is. It's it's uh, remarkably brave for him because that energy cloud will electrocute him. Although he only ever really electrocutes Welshie. That's true. <laughs> In one of the best recurring gags. So good. Maybe Maybe it's a very specific lightning power that can only electrocute Welshie. Yeah, maybe it's something about with the electrolytes in Welshie's body. 
Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we you don't, know science. We don't know the the dynamics of Melvar. We don't know how he uh, operates. Yeah, we don't. We don't know anything about the energy that Melvar is. Mm-hmm. Other than he's energy. Other than he's energy and can apparently give bodies and electrocute Welshy. It's true. Uh, so Melvar is very excited for Nimoy's arrival as now they can all begin. And he materializes a sign that says, Welcome to Trekfest 3002. Nimoy asks how long this convention is going to last and Melvar says, Until time stops. And Bender asks if people who hate Star Trek can leave. Melvar responds, They have to stay even longer. Okay, I'm just I'm gonna look up the name of the guy because I keep wanting to say yeah him and I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that is that gonna be Ben Google's that corner or is this gonna make the podcast? <laughs> My assumption is no, it is not going to make the podcast. Walter Caning. Ah, there it I, is. Sh- I should have known that, um, especially because it was on the jar of his head in a jar. And I watched the episode like an hour ago, so you know remembering things about an episode that we just watched never. So, um, but yeah, because uh, Caning is like, he he is also into this, like, I don't want to be here because I hate Star Trek, which is a good <laughs> gag. It is. Or the truth. I don't know. Maybe he hated Star Trek after he... Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, he, he came back for, to do this. The first uh, event is autographs. Uh, Melvar spells his name out, and Takei is like... I think I've been in enough conventions to know how to smell, spell Melvar. Well, because he says Melvar spelled with three L's. And so every time I wrote it in my notes, I made sure to spell it with three L's because I'm pedantic. And also, uh, I don't know why, but the number of times I backspaced specifically to put a third L in Melvar uh, was more times than I should probably be admitting. How many times do you want to admit? Like two. How many times was it actually? much more than two i wasn't counting it was just more than two <laughs> order of 50 100 a million that that wouldn't be a million you wouldn't type melvar that much uh so <laughs> um uh next up in the uh cavalcade of events a photo where, where melvar and the cast are uh, just standing in front of a space motif and bender tells everybody to say nerd um and uh, yeah, at some point there's a karaoke. Well, like it's, it's more of a Shatner uh, performance of the I real mean, Sim, the real Slim Shady. It's I I always read it as sort of a karaoke, but you're right. Shatner's known for his his weird uh, spoken word, yeah. You know, Rocket Man and all that. And so maybe it is just literally a performance by William Shatner and not a karaoke thing, like I always assumed. I mean, I'd never even considered it being karaoke, but it would make sense too. So, um, you know, I just you, you get a bunch of people together, you do some karaoke, and then you get William Shatner up there doing Slim well, the Sh- real Slim the Shady, Slim, the real Please Slim Shady up. in a spoken word form. And um, I believe is it Takei that is asking? Somebody how, asks how how do you do a spoken word version of a rap song? Melvar says he found a way. Um. It's um it's funny. It's it's something. I mean <laughs> something is something you could call it. Have you ever heard any of William Shatner's albums? I no, I've not listened to an album, but I'm pretty sure I've heard him do Rocket Man. I mean everybody's actually actually I heard, saw the Family Guy joke where Stewie does Rocket Man and so I saw I'm more familiar with that than the William Shatner one. But it's essentially the same thing because it's <laughs> shot for shot. Right. Um, but no, I actually... That's how Family Guy works. My brother-in-law gave me a William Shatner album. Okay. Uh, so I actually have a William Shatner album. I um, imagine we're going we're gonna to listen to that after the episode. It's going to be a very Shatner-centric sort of post-episode celebration we we're have gonna watch him be ridden like a pony yes we're gonna listen to his album we're gonna i mean i think that's where it it's, ends it's only slightly more shatner than our usual debriefing we're gonna watch that tv show that he starred in about the twitter account blank my dad says 
No, God no! <laughs> Did you ever Why? watch that? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it was so bad. I I noticed from the the advertisements. It was it was so bad, Mike. It was really 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 bad. I could um, I could spot that from a mile away. I watched the entire first season of it for some reason. Why? Because I kept wanting it to be good. Because it's because that Twitter account, the blank my dad says uh, account, was pretty funny. Um, I am blown away by this B, shocking admission. B, William Shatner. Like I wanted it to be good, and I just kept waiting for it to be good. There was one. There was literally one, one joke <laughs> that was any good, and is going to bring it back around. I promise. First off, you waited a season to find a joke in a show. As as just what I want to say, real fast. In a what I'm assuming is a comedy show. It was a cry for help. So like this podcast. Um, but no, the the one joke in the entirety of in the entirety of this because I don't think they got a second season. No, I should so hope bad. not. So the entire the only good joke in the entirety of the thing. Oh, I'm ready for this. Was his son sets him up on a date and they go out to a bar and it happens to be karaoke night. And his son's like, just just put in for like a song. Just, you know, pick one out of the book. And like, you know, like Rocket Man. And then he looks, William Shatner's character looks at his son and just gives this look that's just like, oh man, that's great and meta. Because like, he, he's just like, no, no, not doing that one. And <laughs> only funny joke in the entirety of the series. It was a waste of my time. But I watched the whole freaking first season. I did this to me. You did this to you. I I feel like I rec- I saw this I saw this television show coming out based off of a Twitter account and I'm like there's no way and avoided it. And it sounds like I did the right thing. Cuz <laughs> if did. that's the funny joke in that I mean it's good it's it's fu- it's a fine joke. Uh-huh. I it I mean, I imagine you calling it good because everything else was direct. Oh no! When you when you are when you are starved for goofs. Yes, when when you just have not laughed in forever. That Rocket Man bit is just like it is. It is you not having eaten for three days, and then the juiciest filet mignon comes out on a plate just for you, and you're like. Oh yeah, it turns out it was a Big Mac the whole time. I just want to argue. You're saying <laughs> you're saying it's a Big Mac. I I don't think I think it's a single blueberry. And it's it's a fine blueberry, but it is not a large amount. <laughs> it is a small, insignificant <laughs> portion of what you should have been having while watching, I don't know, a good show like Community or or Parks and Rec or any other show that's any good. Um, I hadn't actually gotten into Community at the time. I, I didn't. I wasn't aware it was funny yet. Uh, let's so. go with Futurama then, the podcast that we do, where you could be eating the the uh, smorgasbord of the funny jokes within, In, but instead you chose this one show that <laughs> you got a, g- a good-ish joke out of. Later on, you made a, some choices. Is later on, there's a trivia contest. <laughs> In in future in this episode of Futurama. Oh yes, we're going back to the discussion yes. of the thing that we did. I'm done talking about the the one season of Blank. My dad says the TV show starring William Shatner based on a Twitter account. I'm back to Futurama now. Okay, that will be the only time we ever talk about that other show ever. <laughs> I hope I don't want to talk about it again. It sounds awful. There's a there's a trivia contest, a Star Trek trivia contest. Uh, Ambassador Serix. Uh, trivia challenge and i probably said that wrong but don't at me leela is emceeing this and she says the trivia question who did the captain maroon on seti alpha 5 and me <laughs> and, and shatner l- launches himself upwards and goes con and fry rings in's like con i just i love that fry gives it this look like it the look sort of implies the reason he knows it's con is that William Shatner shouted it. Even I know it was Khan. Yeah. Like. It was Khan. Yeah. It's just a, a, uh, a knowable thing. 
Melvar tells the cast that they'll now be performing a fan script from Star Trek's Ultimate Fan. Fry responds, oh, you got my fan script? And it's like, no, me, Melvar, the Ultimate Fan. I don't know. The points say otherwise. Oh, that's the biggest burn ever. Holy cow. Uh It's so good. I mean, that's a quantifiable, Mm -hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's the ultimate fan now? Yeah. Uh, so Leela suggests that they go wait in the ship because they don't want any spoilers for this totally amazing episode of Star Trek that's about to be put together. And so they get on the ship and then immediately hightail it out of there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fry says it's wrong. They shouldn't have abandoned the Star Trek cast there. Fry very specifically is like, usually on the show, somebody would come up with a complicated plan and then explain it with a simple analogy. And then Leela says, and I, I had to rewind this like seven times to get the full sure, the full plan. Quote, if we can reroute engine power through the primary weapons and reconfigure them to Melvar's frequency, that should overload his electro-quantum structure. And then Bender's like, like putting too much air in a balloon. It makes perfect sense. So they do that thing that they just said. Uh, Bender finishes recafoobling the energy motron or whatever i love that line where he is just like uh i did something i i did the thing you said and i'm i'm just i don't care what it was recafoobulating the energy motron or whatever yeah uh immediately afterwards leela yells fire melvar starts screaming um and it turns out that is only amplifying his power so not a great plan. No, not great. Um, and the Planet Express ship is kind of like buckling under the stress of this plan. And then Fry is like, oh no, like a balloon and something bad happens. <laughs> Good analogy, Fry. Um, uh, so Melvar kind of uh, manifests into a giant hand and grabs the retreating Planet Express ship and brings it crashing down to Omega-3 on its engine. Uh, yeah, the engine just falls straight off. Yeah. Melvar's like, here I've been admiring a bunch of actors when a bunch of genuine space heroes try to save them. And then so his plan is that the two groups should fight each other to the death uh, for his affection. So they start fighting to the death. Shatner, uh, so the, the, the groups run off from each other. To try and trying find to, weapons. And try to formulate a plan. Shatner just rips his own shirt for some reason. As you do. Just to like make it like he's been through a fight i guess or he just likes showing off his man nipples who knows i imagine this has something to do with the star trek show maybe because it seems like he ripped his shirt got ripped a whole bunch in that show i i uh, from what i understand i can assume as much um or maybe he just likes exposing his man nipples who doesn't it's very clear that they don't really have any idea what to do Mm -hmm. because shatner's like wasn't there an episode where I threw my shoe at the enemy and he literally throws his shoe at Takei? And hits him in the face. And then Shatner then says, my foot's cold. Uh, the other plan that they come up with is um, that Nichelle Nichols is going to do her fan dance. And then Takei is going to come up and karate chop them. And he takes offense. I mean, yeah, I would too. Because sure. he's like, you just assume that I know karate? Like... And then there's a discussion about how they don't really know much about him because he's he he doesn't and and no one seems to take interest in George Takei and that seems very sad. Uh huh. It's like a weird moment of pathos in this episode. Meanwhile, the Planet <laughs> Express crew, their plans are: uh, Leela finds a bunch of sticks to make into spears. Fry decides that he can tie a bunch of caterpillars together to make bowstrings, to make bows and arrows. Bender finds a a loaded machine gun. I assume he brought the machine gun. He pulls it out from behind a a rock. Why would there... (sighs) Never mind. I don't want to... This is going down a hole. To be fair, regardless of why it's there, he immediately fires every last bullet in his loaded machine gun and says, that was fun. Uh, So after they they try to do this, uh, there's a shot where... Uh, Fry is testing out the bow and arrow with caterpillars, and the the it's- stick breaks, and caterpillars fly everywhere, including into his mouth. And it's a very good shot. It's it's such a great visual gag. It's I every time I just like it's so good. 
and at that point, Nichelle Nichols comes up and starts doing her fan dance, which successfully distracts them, and then Takei gives Bender a karate chop. Seems like it wouldn't be very effective on Bender. Um, at some point, uh, Nimoy tries the, the Vulcan neck pinch on uh, Bender. Again, which, doesn't seem very uh-huh. effective on a robot. Shatner and Leela are actually having a really good fight, though. Yeah, yeah, it's like, pretty good. They're, they're the only two competent fighters in this entire thing. I would argue that that Bender is pretty comp- competent because he does grab Nimoy and swing him around to hit the rest of his castmates. I don't know if that's competent so much as just weird. That's fair. Um. Anyway, Melvar is watching all of this and just saying, excellent, excellent. At that point, Shatner is like, don't you see? We're just playing into his sick mind games. We're just pawns in his diabolical game of checkers. And uh, suggests that there might be some other way to solve problems. And then a pink, ener- a larger pink energy cloud shows up with cat eye glasses, appears, and calls Melvar for dinner. Uh, I'm playing with my collectibles. She does not care. <laughs> it cuts back to Leela and William Shatner, who are making out something fierce. Yeah, um, but they, but the rest of the crew shows up and kind of everybody clears their throats and they get up and start talking about how to escape. Uh, the The Planet Express ship can't you can't use their ship because it's got life support, but the engines are wrecked. Well, that's ironic because the Star Trek crew's ship has engines, but they have no life support. Well, if ours has life support. <laughs> yeah, they do this whole thing. And that, Fry's like, you're going around in circles. Think, Fry. Everybody relies on you. Uh, so they, they weld the engines to the back of the Planet Express ship mm-hmm. and then uh, take off into the sky. But they have to first, because the ship is too heavy, uh, all of the Star Trek actors just dump all their bodies. And it's it's a very weird visual yes to see all of these bodies headless bodies in star trek outfits like land in a giant pile yeah it's a very it's absurd it's very weird also they took their heads off very quickly i have a feeling that they they had their heads taken off they had their heads taken off very quickly that's that's fair. It, it it asks a lot of questions about what those bodies are. But the good news is they were light enough to keep the tapes of the uh, 79 episodes and the or- original movies. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> Nimoy's com- comment to that is, I'm living in a fish jar. Like, <laughs> Yes, that's true. I missed that one. Uh, he's, he's very... He's not super amused at the fact that Fry gets to keep the tapes. Huzzah. <laughs> um, um, the crew ends up taking off and thinking they're escaped. But Melvar materializes a ship and fart- starts firing. Yeah, he chases them and he's upset because he had to take the ship out of the package. It was in mint condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> there's a great line that I love in here where Takei is like, all right, if we're... If he's gonna take us down, we might as well take him with us. Don't you have? Don't you guys have like a destruct, uh, self-destruct code? Like destruct sequence one A, two B, three, and then Bender's head explodes, and he's like, "Thanks a lot to K." Now everyone knows. <laughs> it's very good. Um, so they they look up and they see that they're coming towards the Nimbus. Lila says, "We're saved." Uh, Zap comes down on the uh, the video screen and says, "You're under arrest. Prepare to be boarded." And then we go back to the present where he's like, and then what happened? And she's like, and then he started this stupid thing and they're still under attack. So they've been under attack by Melvar this whole time. That's true. And um, yeah, at the at the end, basically, uh, Fry gives this very convincing mm -hmm. speech about how like you shouldn't let a TV show uh, steal your life like. You got to become your own person. Mm-hmm. Melvar says, uh, thanks, Fry, and says, in another reality, I could have called you friend. And then Fry names the wrong episode that that quote is from. 
Melvar corrects him as uh, episode nine and declares victory and ta- laughs tauntingly as he flies back to the planet. Uh, the the crew, the Star Trek cast, uh, is like, man, that was really great because we had everything we could want. Um, I like how Takei specifically mentions uh, a full complement of rum, both spiced and regular. It's, I mean, y- y- me and Takei, I'm on this with, I, I'm with George on this one. I'm more of a whiskey guy. That's fair. Um, Nimoy even calls it a paradise. Uh, Fry then suggests you only had to deal with one really annoying Star Trek fan. And Shatner's like, let's get the hell out of here. And then the closing credits happen to uh, what I believe is the Star Trek theme, or it's just a an homage to the Star I, Trek theme. It, I one don't, of the two, yeah. I don't know specifically, because again, don't really watch right. Star Trek. I just I also realize that we are just the absolute worst ones to do this episode because we know nothing about Star Trek. Not a thing. We're like, what's the name of that guy? What is this thing? What's <laughs> what do you call the thing that like they're in when they're beeping? Yeah. Like, we got nothing. We like Futurama, okay. We we are the day that there's a Futurama Star Wars um crossover. It, like, wait, is this the Star Wars Trek or the Star Trek Wars? The Star Wars Trek. Ooh, I want to know yeah. more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The The day that there is a Star Wars Futurama crossover, that will be our day. Finally, the sun will shine on Back to the Futurama. But in the meantime... Until that happens. It is time for... Grades. Overall, I like this episode. Uh, it's got a lot of good humor. Um, I love the fact that they were able to get... Most of the original cast, mm-hmm. uh, Scotty notwithstanding, yeah, Scotty notwithstanding, and I, I really like, I like when a show can do that and just be like, okay, this is going to be our Star Trek episode, and we're going to have the original cast, and we're going to have all these things. The only problem is I don't watch Star Trek, <laughs> so like this was an episode not targeted at me. Um, I imagine in the Venn diagram of people who like Futurama and people who like Star Trek, that's a pretty big centerpiece of that Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, however, on the Futurama only side. Right. Uh, with all that said, I do think it's a fun episode. We get a lot of really good lines. Um, and I think overall, it's a pretty clever episode. Mm-hmm. I imagine I'd like it more if I knew what the hell was going on in, in parts. <laughs> Um, I imagine there are probably tons of references I don't even realize I'm missing. Mm-hmm. But with all that said, I think it's a pretty solid one. I'm going to give it a B. Yeah, you know, you kept mentioning, like, you, it's very clear that both of us don't really get the deeper, like, parody satire here because neither of us watched Star Trek. Like, this is not either of our wheelhouses. Um, So I think there is certainly... You know, it, it's all depending on your own perspective on this one, because I'm sure if, you know, we we showed this to friend of the podcast, Tema, who is a huge Trekkie, she would love it 100% and give it an A+. Because I think think that we're just missing something from our perspective to to paint this. To, we're just missing half of the episode that's right implied. Um, that being said, I think it's a very funny episode. I, I agree with you. Um, even not knowing a ton about Star Trek, it, it, it's, it, to me, it feels general enough that there is, it, it, the Star Trek is the only the vehicle to get this evil Melvar character around that kind of digs at, you know, the nerd culture a little bit. Like, you know, we, the stereotypical, I need to know more than you and I'm, uh-huh. I know everything and I want to get my picture taken with everyone and 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 it does a little bit of that and i think that's that's really impressive but certainly i think mm-hmm. y- you know because of there this is like an, an entire homage to star trek even the way it opened i read on the infosphere was an homage to how star trek usually opens yeah With, no that's that's exactly how it i mean that's a very well established uh, sure well i'm thing. just saying mm-hmm. it's an example of one of the many things that the, uh, the the few things I actually picked up on, right? Um, and the, there's tons of that I didn't. Um, that being said, having w- William Shatner do a spoken word version of <laughs> the real Slim Shady, it's up high for me. So I, I do really appreciate when um, 
celebrities do sort of self-parody when they guest star mm-hmm. in things. Yeah. Um, Adam West was always the best for that. Um, like his role, he he was the best part of Family Guy. Agreed. Just, just saying. So, so yeah, I think when it comes down to it, like we're missing something, you and me. Um, and I, I'm sure the, our listeners are not missing that. You know, like there are some vis- some listeners that will probably disagree with us on this one. I, th- I but it's still a very good episode. It's probably not one I'm gonna you know like go back to over and over again. So I think you're probably right with the B. I think I think that's a good good grade for it based on our perspectives. We want to know what you think about this episode, other Futurama episodes. Blank, my dad says. Yeah, I was gonna say if you if you too have wasted your time watching that <laughs> that pile of garbage, just if you wanna if you wanna commiserate with me over having to, <laughs> I say having to like I I was forced to, I chose to. You you did that to you. No one else did that. Um, it, whatever you want to talk about. We're here for you. We love you very much, and we just want you to be okay. I imagine we're going to get like seven itemized lists of all the things that we have uh, missed. Should should we put out a form before people do this so that we can just just use the form? We'll get it filed correctly. Uh, Regardless, we always want to hear from you, so uh, you can do that in several ways. You can email us at backtothefuturumpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Back to Futurama. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash back to Futurama. And we are on Apple Podcasts. So find us there, review us, rate us, subscribe, and send to your friends. And also, they can also correct us on all the Star Trek stuff that we missed, because I'm sure it's a lot. Absolutely. Um, Don't forget to vote for your March Ocean Madness picks, which I believe by the time this episode goes up, uh, the character matchup polls will be out so i cannot tell you everyone how excited i am to see to see how this goes i i want to see who wins i want to see who surprisingly doesn't and i want to see uh, all the upsets and i i look forward to to seeing how what what you the listener have to say i'm just i'm also looking forward to seeing everyone's brackets because i, I can't i can't see everyone's predictions before i close the uh predictions so uh, the moment I close those, I'm going to go through and look at all 14. <laughs> We're up to 14 predictions. This rules. Uh, this I, is going to be so good. <laughs> Somebody is somebody's going to win this and get a certificate. They're going to get a, a certificate of uh, Futurama excellence. I love everything about this. <laughs> I, I love how many things that we say as jokes that turn into real things and people love it. Yeah, um, so don't forget to vote for that. Um, check our Twitter account or neptunianmillhouse.com. The uh, official home for Back <laughs> to the Futurama. And uh, I think that's it for us this week. Until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye, Goodbye from, from the world of tomorrow. tomorrow. Welcome to the Mo- March Ocean Madness Minute. Brought to you by Slurm. Ride the walrus. That's not the right one, Mike. It's okay. Uh, we are we are looking at predictions this week. Uh, we have uh, locked the bracket. We have locked everybody's predictions. We've got 24 predictions for this bad boy, Mike. Way, too, way more predictions than I thought we'd get. Um, we have a lot of uh, very specific uh, winners in some of these predi- predictions. We've got Scruffy. Uh, the Hypnotoad, a couple of them. We got Dr. Zoidberg. We have one for the Grand Midwife. She's got a tough road ahead of her, Mike. It's true. We also have Fry and a couple of Leela's showing that Team Leela does exist. Team Leela does exist. I was proven wrong on that one, Mike. There is Hedonism Bot comes from behind. the. Uh, I mean, there's there's some really good names out here. I'm, Hedonism Bot's good. Parallel Bender's Cowboy Hat. Pretty good name. Uh, Sand Crabs Away for Team Zoidberg. The one with the Grand Midwife is All Her Jobs Are Grand. I I just, I want to come back to that one. I love it very much. So now that we've looked at the predictions, we should remind you that you can vote. Voting is going on right now as we speak. It's operating f- for one week starting on Tuesdays. 
Make sure you get your votes in before noon on Tuesday, March 13th. At that time, we'll close the, the polls and calculate the results and open up round two, where the winners have moved on and the losers get the boot. You can vote at bit.ly slash oceanmadness1. Make sure to get your votes in before they close. Tuesday, 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 March 13th. Be there.